0: More PS5 details. Yay! Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always...
1: Sawbridge is bringing you guys Lucky Episode 133.
0: I never feel like we're right on those, and that's something I felt we should be way over it by now. I spent too long looking at a PNG of
1: Sean Laden last, last week when I made that to demo. not know that, it, know was that not it was that not one more dude too.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're not familiar with us, we are, like we said, triangle squared, a PlayStation podcast. So we talk about PlayStation, but of course we talk about everybody in the industry from Xbox to Nintendo, to other publishers, to see the things that we see them doing that we would like Sony to avoid, or that we would like to see Sony copy. And what we think is uh, our, in our opinion, the best way for PlayStation to go forward for us, um, of course, if you like what we're doing over here and you want to listen to us, uh, you can do so on podcast services via it iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, if you do Podbean, they have an app that you can download and actually comment and communicate with us through that app if you'd like. Uh, to be part of, if you even would want to without going onto to your uh, social media or if you don't want to do social media, uh, you can comment and be part of our Community's Take section where every week at the end of an episode, uh, we phrase a question put that out to you uh, and then uh, look for your feedback so that we can talk about your thoughts on anything that we uh, are talking about. The next episode, of course, we repost those as well over onto our social media. So if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you can do so and uh, go down in the comments below. Give us your thoughts on anything that we're talking about on here. If you prefer to watch podcasts instead of listen to them. Of course, and if you are over there and you like the show, consider subscribing and hitting that bell notification button so you can see when our videos go live every time. In other words, you can find us uh, otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at Triangle uh, SQRD at Facebook on Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. That's a group. If you ask to be entered into it, we will gladly let you in. And uh, of course you can find us in our day-to-day moment to moment lives on Discord where I feel like the majority of our of our community that's real active. Takes place. Thankfully, we have a great community over there. So, if you want to hop in and be part of that, you can. We have a community stake section in there. It's just a dedicated channel for it. Podcast open discussion to where you can actually give us your thoughts on other things outside of just the community stake on the podcast that you may have had um, different opinions on or wanted to talk about, Uh, or just join general chat and talk about crazy things from anime to waifus or whatever is your uh, whatever your poison is. Uh, Lastly. If you like what we're doing with the show and you'd like to support us in any way, shape, or form outside of just giving us your ever-valuable time, which we appreciate more than you can ever imagine, uh, you can head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash nartech, and consider going over there and giving us as little as a dollar a month. You get some uh, early access to certain shows, uh, as we are probably going to bring shows back as well, do some more shows with Saul's new job. Yay! Yay. That'll start tomorrow. Start tomorrow, yeah. It's exciting. You guys will be... You guys will be
1: listening to the podcast and I'll be working.
0: That is that is true. And I'll get to go out of my, my little work area and step out and see Saul. Yeah. That'll be a weird, at work. weird change. Uh, anyway, with that said, um, I guess we got to get this show on the road the right way. Uh, we will be talking about, of course, the PlayStation 5 Wired article that came around uh, and gave us some more uh, news and information, uh, rather, on the PlayStation 5 and some things that we can expect from it. Not just everything. Um, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. We're going to start this show off the right way that we always do. And that's the nice, friendly way where since me and Saul up until next week don't normally get to see each other too much throughout the week, I get to ask Saul what he's up to and what he's been doing.
1: Yeah, so I have been playing a lot of Destiny 2 Keep, flip-flopping between PS4 and PC, depending on who's online where. And other than that, I've been kind of still dipping my toes into Dragon Quest Eleven. I... So did you buy it or are you still in the demo? No, I'm still in the demo.
0: Good lord. Yeah.
1: Okay. Like <laughs> the demo is amazing. But um I haven't had a lot of like off time to play that lately at all. So like I'm really still only like three hours in, something like that. Like I I got to the church, which I think most people played the early parts of that game will know where I'm at. It's not like super far in, but I had a lot of chance to play it. So uh I was trying to play it last night and I realized I left my switch here, so I'll probably be playing that top. But other than that, I don't really think I've touched anything else.
0: On Destiny, you know, you're know, you talking about how you, you're switching between PC and PS4 depending on who's playing and at what time and whatnot. Yeah. Now that we have the uh, the announcement that we are 100% into, at least for the PS4, very likely for the PS5, cross-play being just a full-on feature with PlayStation, how likely do you think it is and when would be your estimate? to see that we get actual Destiny cross-play for at least PvE with maybe more control on the PvP side?
1: I would probably say mid-next year with limited, like what you're talking about. PvP for sure, PvP, no. Just because of the amount of like like Bungie is working on new everything else that they're working on right now, I don't know if they're gonna have a team dedicated to take the time away to, to work on that.
0: Depending on how hard it is. Yeah. That's something that we're not, well, you know
1: And they they told PlayStation a while a long ago that they that they're you know, they're ready to go. So I really don't know what they have left to do, if anything. I would think that they would have maybe already engineered something for this, but at the same time it's maybe they never did because they never thought they really would ever have crossplay.
0: So it's kinda hard to tell. Yeah, but- it is hard to tell. I mean with with a feature like that being in beta a beta normally uh, does say that this will be something that sees a full release. So I could see them in the process of doing all this cross save work, all going ahead and making sure they have everything ready to go for PV uh, or for cross play for at least PVE. Yeah. Uh, if not, maybe even as far as a solution for how they'd want to handle PVP. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time I feel like cross play and cross save have got to be interlinked enough that, they probably had the, the foresight to go, you know, there's a good chance that we'll see this expand out into a full feature potentially soon. Yeah. Might as well go ahead and put it in, in the framework. Worst case scenario, we use it for PC and Xbox. Um, you know. I don't know. That that was interesting to me mainly for the fact that we've talked about it a lot. If crossplay hits, the chances of me playing Destiny on PS4 are still pretty high, if I'm being honest, just from a sheer what, what exact yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know why I can't think of the word Easy right use? now that I would use, convenience Accessibility? factor. Uh, convenience factor. But, you know, and and that's just where I tend to spend a lot of my time on. But the allure for the PC adding 60 frames per second, how much better the game looks on PC since I have one that can easily play the game at that, at that pace, and then the 60 frames per second, there is some allure to that. You know, the one thing I worry about the most is that if cross-play becomes a thing, what do they do? do to handle voice chat you know when you're cross-playing between pc and xbox on games that are compatible like that you have the xbox live launcher on on pc it just acts as a an interstitial w- between the actual console interface and the pc one
1: and that would be up for sony to make an app for that they could uh, sony could just install or have a discord app for their ps4
0: yeah I mean, they could do a lot of things with with PS Now becoming a thing and the ability to play some of these PlayStation games online with PS Now. It seems like there would be a real reason to introduce some form of voice chat into PC. <clears throat> but would they give the same excuse they gave last time for like Minecraft of We have to be responsible for who's using our voice features. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, you would hope not considering that we're to the point where right now it seems like I mean, Minecraft is going to go crossplay, which hopefully also means that we get realms, realms. Yeah. but <laughs> we'll, we'll see with all that coming along. Okay, cool. Um, I had a feeling that you weren't playing much a phone thought. I said, Hey Google, I didn't I hate to tell you. It's creepy. Uh, anyway, yeah, all the times that people talk about the things they, the the Google technicians will say, they never said anything to wake the device, but the device just decides to wake. And well, you saw re- the thing. I th- you don't know if you saw
1: it or not, but like we, were, me and Joe were talking about the whole blizzard thing. Yeah, and like his phone just started recording all of a sudden, and he's like, I never even we, like he never once. And we were talking in the same conversation. He never once said, "Hey Google." Nobody ever. He's never said something similar to that and all of a sudden. He sent me that screenshot of like how it captured half of his sentence. I was like, "That's creepy."
0: Tin foil hat time. Tin foil hat time. <laughs> uh, anyway, that comes later on. No, I'm sure it does. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, um, I had a feeling that you were playing that because when you came over the other day, it just seemed like you. Whenever you were pulling your switch light out to let me borrow Zelda. Um, that you that was just kind of like oh yeah I haven't played this in a bit which I had a feeling you know yeah
1: I, it was actually I was actually impressed that my Switch light was still on and in the middle middle of Dragon Quest eleven when yeah. I turned it on because I hadn't played it since probably. Wednesday
0: yeah and the battery improvements from that over the original switch yeah I know that my original switch whenever I had it I feel like uh, as opposed to my Vita which I I will not touch for two weeks at a time sometime and go back to and it's charged with at least half a charge in my game yeah Vita definitely has better power Um, saving options when it's in sleep mode the original switch I feel like if I didn't play it for a week it was dead see I mean I don't think I ever had that
1: problem even though I never even though I would just throw it into sleep mode and then I would Play it the next day, but I didn't feel like I lost significant battery life. Well,
0: no, problem. and I mean that I wouldn't touch it for a week. And it's just that it's the expectation set by one thing. So when you're so used to just putting your Vita away and just letting it go for, you know, two weeks without anything and it didn't affect the charge almost at all. then yeah. You come back to the uh, the Switch like five or six days after you last played it and it's not even turning on. You're like, oh, man, big change. Yeah, I can see that. I think the new Switch, um, you know, I, I'm going to test that out when we're done recording. Once go in there, I haven't touched it in a week. Um Oh, it's not in the case, though. It's in the dock. So who knows? I was going to say I'll go and see since I haven't touched it in about a week and a half or two weeks. Well, it'll since be, be fully charged,
1: so you could at least, uh, you at least uh, throw it in the case. It'll be fully
0: charged, so that's. See? Yeah, yeah but I intend to start playing it soon with Zelda. Um, still doing a lot more. As for me um, playing, uh, you know, I beat Greedfall uh, and enjoyed it so much. Uh, like I said, it's a game that the more you play, I put about 64 hours into it to do everything in the game uh, in terms of the max of everything you can do in one playthrough uh the rest of the things that are tied into trophies and like technically things you can do are tied into you having to play the game twice or more than twice actually to get the platinum it takes a lot of playthroughs just for the way that it handles relationships um as far as i was able to tell you can't once you're in a relationship in that game you don't really get out you're just in a relationship that's creepy so but but it also makes sense yeah (laughs) you will never leave me yeah uh, but I think it makes sense to an extent of it's not very easy to get in a relationship in that game. You've got to do a lot of of stuff for this other person. You got to talk to them even when there's no reason for you to talk to them and go through optional dialogue. And eventually you will kind of get to a point where they feel comfortable for with you. And eventually they'll talk to you and say like, Hey, you know, are you feeling like I'm feeling let's meet up for a hookup. And then at the end of the hookup, it's like, so are you feeling this? Are we a relationship or was just one time fun? And, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, so going through and doing it again. D- didn't you beat it this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, what I, I thought you said.
1: Um, I thought about picking it up, but I probably save that for like one of my weekends off.
0: Yeah. Your time management is going to be very different these days. Yeah. So we're going to see what that does for you. But I do think that you'll enjoy it, uh, definitely for what it is. Like I said, it's a genre that just does not get very much attention these days, pretty much at all. And when it does happen, it happens in such a big, grand-scheme, triple-A way that you almost have to do it for people to to make it justifiable from yeah. a monetary standpoint. Yeah. You've got to do like the Skyrim thing where you introduce the ability to play the game with something to do for endless eternity. Like uh, whenever you played Skyrim and they offered the Radiant Quest system. where that's the-
1: present in Greedfall? <clears throat>
0: no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Oh, Gre- okay. Greedfall is a game with a finite cap. Okay, Eventually you're going to do everything in the game. And that's it. And it's not even that massive. It's like 60 something hours, 70 hours, depending on how much exploring you want to do. Um, and it could even be less if you don't want to do that much exploring. But my my bigger point is, you know, when you look at a game like Skyrim, it it almost... Do you remember the campaign to sell a game like that was you had to have over 100 hours of content. And then even after that, the game would continue to come up with quests and things for you to do. So you could just keep playing it. Yeah, even though they're all like just wacky quests. Yeah, and they're they're not really good. A, A Radiant Quest system is just an AI that's coming up with crap for you to do. Yeah, But the game is technically giving you some form of motivation or, you know whatever is required to just be like, oh, well, at least it's an official quest as far as we're going to say. It's, it's something that somebody has asked me to do. Uh, and you see like the Witcher of course is, has got more content than damn near any game I can really think of this generation. Uh, just because of the way that it handled <clears throat> its world building and its DLCs and stuff. It's a game that is all about playing it for 300 hours. Right. Whereas Greedfall is like, well, we're an RPG and do a lot of the things that these games don't do because they're trying to be mass appeal. Right. We're going to go down into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of of role playing. And um, I appreciate that. Like I said, it's a game that it it goes back to my thing. What I've always said about double a and where it exists in the market is really important because it lets people do games that AAA games can never do because of the cost of AAA games, making you want to risk avert as much as possible. And that risk aversion ends up normally manifesting itself in simpler mechanics, Uh, the removal, and you'll see it in a lot of series over time, like how Far Cry went from being a relatively popular series, but then with Far Cry 5 it became a massive success yeah the, and Far cry Five was the first game in the series to have taken away major things that the Far cry games series was known for the towers, yeah uh, which is a big thing that they took out of course, the way that you handle healing yourself and the you know the little animations was well,
1: technically in far, far cry
0: five they? <clears throat> no no they weren't there was one in the very beginning okay, to, that's that was I a remember. joke to yeah. play on the fact of don't worry you're not going to have to do that a lot okay, the, the that's, game essentially remember, says that's that. the one I remember yeah yeah um so, and, and I don't mean that it's necessarily to the better or worse. I think depending on who you are, that definitely has some sway as to whether you enjoy the game more or less. And that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the series. It is it is showing that when you want a game to become a massive success, you normally have to do this lowest common denominator setup, where it's like you make it pretty fun for the largest group of people instead of really fun for a smaller group of people. Yeah, and that makes sense. Whereas some of the detail that Far Cry 2 had, and you saw it happening slowly throughout the whole series, but some of the things that Far Cry 2 had of jamming your gun and having to go through and and how ridiculously realistic the game was with allowing you to chop down trees with your bullets and stuff like that to a fine tee, these are things that a very small group of people really appreciated, and Far Cry 2 is very well remembered because of that. And Far Cry Three kept some of it, but as the series just kept going, of course, it eventually had to lose it to become the big, massive success that Far Cry Five became. So I appreciate that. And if you get a chance to play uh, *Greedfall* and you like that style of game at all, like even from a setting standpoint, I'd say give it a try. If you've never played an RPG, it's a pretty low price of entry, fifty dollars. And if you go to Walmart, you get it for about forty. Did you um, get it from Walmart? Yeah. Oh, Never mind. I don't have. Any, I don't. Never mind. I can't play yeah. anyways. But I'd let you borrow it, but you can't play yeah. it. Yeah. I, I would love to let you play it with no cost involved. You know yeah.
1: Because I mean? the, the only time. I can play a disc game is if I pound the top of my PS5 until it plays, and then every down every, every every time that doesn't work.
0: Yeah, and then you risk the system just going rah 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 and eating the disc. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever damage can come from that. Uh, but all right, we're gonna get this uh, get this show on the road, and we're gonna go into our communities take section that we always do. Uh, so our communities take question. Uh, thankfully, El Chabib reminded me to put it out as I have been a little neglectful on that. Sorry, uh, but thankfully I got it out there. And it is with cross play fully supported the push for PS now uh, and the way Sony is going about their messaging lately. Does it affect how you see the PS five? Are you more likely to buy it with these features being more aggressive or has it had no effect on your purchasing plans yet? Uh, and now this was an interesting community's take because this comes, you know, we, we said it at the end of the last episode when we were positing that, that a lot of what PlayStation's doing right now is laying groundwork for the PS five and, I think that what we got was validation this week with the Wired article coming in because, of course, yeah. Sony would not do those big three announcements—bam, bam, bam. bam. Uh, even the announcement of—and I forgot to mention it because it's a rather smaller announcement, but still cool—that uh, PlayStation has a built-in. Um, Xbox has had it for a while, but PlayStation has a built-in tournament feature where you can go through and plan tournaments and set them up, and it goes through the brackets for you and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as far as I can tell, that's what it is. Um, but anyway, you know, th- 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 yeah. it's a series of big announcements. And then you have this week we hit with the Wired article, which is all about next-gen PS5 and whatnot. So I thought that was great. But I do want to see what some of the people had to say because a lot of these answers came post the announcement of the PS5 Extra Details. So I'm curious if they were influenced by that any or if they looked at the question just purely off of what I was talking about. And I don't blame them either way. It's it's curious to see how it go. Uh, But since LTB was the one to remind me, I'm going to hit his up first over on Discord. He says... Not from his perspective, in terms of he's not more likely to buy it or anything, I I think is what he means, or if it it, has had an effect or not. He says, especially with the recent news about the PS5, which is the news I was talking about, it makes me excited for it. My PS4 is starting to show its age with games and the menu taking more time to load than usual. It's probably on its last legs, so I'm excited to get a better... uh, souped up PS4 pro with games compatible to a great extent on the PS five. I would just continue enjoying the games and my ever expanding backlog without feeling like I will miss from the console experience. Of course, he's mentioning the, uh, the, the backwards compatibility, which there's a little bit of news on, uh, that we'll get into in a second, but he teased it here. There has been a little bit of talk about maybe not every PS4 game working. Um, but it's also a very vague statement, probably to cover their butts. Um, but he says, we'll pre-order the console, uh, for sure, especially if they offer it through their website, which I think goes back to the Sony store we were talking about. So, appreciate that, El Chabib. Um, Let's see. We have one over on Facebook from Mr. Josh Shoup, long-time listener and good friend. He says, Only thing that matters to me at this point is I want to know when we can pre-order the system. I have never been able to buy a system on day one, and that's because I've never been able to afford it. I am now in a job slash career in which I can finally do that. And Saul, I think me and Saul may be on a somewhat similar standpoint. What's the first console you were ever able to buy on launch? Um, or were you, and, and I don't, I'm not, really not aiming. As, as a kid, did you ever get your parents to buy your console on launch, and would they ever do it? I did not. <laughs> closest I, mean, I got was a couple of months after the PlayStation 3 came out. What I managed to convince my mom to get me one. What was
1: the Nintendo 64 launch day? 96? No, that, that day. So September 26, 96. So yeah. I got that Christmas of that year. So that's yeah, the so closest, not far. Yeah. yeah, that I got it.
0: Yeah, and you got the Xbox One. Probably about five months after it came out, right?
1: Like two weeks.
0: Oh, then that's the closest one. Yeah, but I'm saying... Like, like Prior, I okay, think, as a kid. Because you said as a kid, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. I was
1: trying to think, like, I guess that would technically would have be been 64. I,
0: I didn't think you got the Xbox One that close after launch, though. I yeah. thought it was a little further out. Don't
1: forget I got another one, because I traded that in when I wasn't playing it much, when you got one again. That might be what you might be thinking of, Maybe. potentially. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, like I got it real
0: quick after launch well i didn't buy one until you and blaze both had one and y'all were yeah. playing destiny and i was like i guess i'll do it yeah um either way um because the- that
1: was i because i actually remember the the circumstances i, I did I, I i came into money uh or how i came into money that was from a my very first real bonus at work ever and i was like this is a good bonus it's kind of similar to skyrim or like I, I could take this bonus and then some of, some of my actual money and then buy this system. And then I won't eat great for a while. For a while, <laughs> and <laughs> I, did, I did that. So then, like uh, Walmart has these little, you know, they're not they're not super bad when you're hungry, but like they are, um, it's, it's frozen uh, dinners, but they're like green in packaging,
0: uh, and they're like a plastic container with this a piece of paper wrapped around it, that, like a cardboard around it. That yeah, says something.
1: and they're uh, and they have like these really spicy uh, chicken alfredo ones that are really good. And I got like 10 of those because they're like 88 cents. And are I, they
0: really good for what they are, rather? Yeah, for what they are, pretty much. When you, I
1: can say when you're hungry. What is the, what are is it, is it Marie
0: Callender's? I think so, yeah. Um, but. Uh, the ones with the little, you have to peel up the corner while you, when you go to cook them. I think so, I really yeah. hate those things, but there is a point in time in my life where it was kind of like. I could, oh, these, no, it's, it's Michelinas. <laughs> okay. It's the ones that are paper. They're not even, pl- the whole thing is paper. No,
1: these had a plastic bottom.
0: Uh, then I, I, I might be remembering wrong. It might be the Marie Calendars that are all paper. Yeah,
1: spicy chicken Alfredo. <laughs>
0: then <laughs> we're good. Oh boy! All right. Uh, yeah, the first console I ever bought on uh, on launch was a PS4 myself, the original PS4. Uh, I. Had managed to save up enough money. I started saving as soon as February announcement hit. (laughs) And I was like, I will have this. Um, But the first system ever, all-inclusive, was uh, that I ever bought launch day was Vita. Uh, And that was a really interesting feeling because not only did I technically get it at launch, I got it a week before launch because Blaze and I both decided to pre-order the... um, founders or whatever it was called first week bundle i think is actually the weird name for it PlayStation should the first week bundle uh which came with a great case and stuff it and came with
1: a sleeve the memory card the earbuds
0: yeah it was yeah. a bunch of stuff they
1: actually came with they actually made that bundle separately as the starter pack for it too which yeah later I, that, yeah yeah no, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, much later the,
0: you got a sleeve in that one though i know what you're talking about and mine the, the only way that you can get my little case that mine's still in was in the Founders Edition. That I, that what do you I mean? Had. Uh, mine's like a hard case with a, it's leather. Oh, okay. And zip. It was exclusive to that, and I love that case. I
1: thought you. Were, I thought you. Were, <clears throat> I, you confused me because I thought you were talking about another kind of sleeve or something.
0: Yeah, no. And then I ended up ordering the one that I have on my Slim way later when I bought my Slim. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, picking up more on the community stake. Excuse me. I'm going to get one from over here on Twitter, where we have uh, Mr. Steven Spooky Fox. He says, no effect on my plans personally. I'm a day one regardless. I do hope Sony doesn't try to expand into the cloud gaming market any more than they have. I've always felt they succeed when they double down on the quote best place to play, end quote. And, you know, I actually offered him my, my agreement to so that. You know, I really do think that Sony has more often than not found great success when they focus less on things that are around the console or are trying to, uh, externally somehow Im- Im- improved the console. We saw the move be a massive failure for them. Yeah, Itoy was a success in this, but it in was a time su- era. It was a success in the time area in the time era of, we saw a bunch of, of add on and little, um, what do you even call those? A peripheral uh, for consoles fail during the 90s and for a long time we didn't see anybody messing with it and then i came back and it was so cheap to produce and it was so easy to go and it had just enough people that liked it that it was considered a success enough that they wanted to move forward with the idea of playstation move um the actual playstation move ones that we're still using right now for vr were originally made and working with a version of playstation uh of the PSI from the iToy, from the PlayStation 2, uh, they were working on that when the PS3 first came out. So that's how old the technology that they yeah. were still using is. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with them. You know, when when you see them do that, I toy, essentially, I'm going to call it a, a, a draw. It was a success enough to be like, well, maybe there's a bigger market that we can actually get a success from. It turned out to not be the case. Uh, we saw that with extensions of a peripheral for peripheral with that Wonder Book thing. And we saw them trying so hard around that. And I think you see it in other areas. You see play. You see people try and do weird things and they make decisions. And Xbox tries to put too much marketing weight behind HD DVD, which fails. Blu-ray wins. So that was actually a failure of Microsoft at that point. And so. there.
1: And there. Uh, external hard or hard or their external disk drive for it too
0: yeah exactly but you know to stick a little bit more with, with PlayStation we have seen them do this a number of times and when they focus too much on weird stuff that's outside of the console Vita is the same thing. Instead of focusing on the games and the system itself, they focus on features and how it can be used with other things. And we saw Vita be uh, an abject failure. Sadly, I love the system. It's not a failure from a tech design standpoint, from what the console actually is standpoint, but it is a failure from a business standpoint and, and a, a, being backed by the creator standpoint. Uh, Sony definitely didn't do enough. So in that regard, I think that you saw the PS3 be able to come back and overtake the 360 uh, and even the PS4 be the massive success it is right now because of the fact that Sony realized early in the 360 days uh, when they were losing that you have to double down. You have to focus on what's important to the console, and that is what this console can do and the games that it can play. Yeah. And then we saw that mirrored with their messaging this generation to even stronger of a T when Microsoft were trying to go too far out to what Sony was trying to do with the PS3. And it just goes to show that Sony double down, uh, doubling down does really affect the, their ability to penetrate a market. Uh, and since they are a little bit more of a global company than Microsoft, that's a great thing. And they have a real benefit there. Um, So I'm hoping to see that too. I'm going to do one more from over here on Twitter and then we're going to move on. Uh, Let's see. I wonder, here we are. This is one that I I wanted to do at least one that was a dissenting opinion uh, because the vast majority of people were either that this hasn't affected their plans at all and that right now they're still going to buy it or maybe even buy it day one. Uh, But Rob B over here on Twitter says, until they announce no more censoring Japanese games, I'm not interested in getting it ps4 was the perfect console and sony ruined it and i think that that is one of those things where it's very specific to what style of games you like yeah as to whether the ps4 was heavily affected by that decision and i think that it has bled out into some fans of in some genres and certain games that have a wider reach like devil may cry where we saw devil may cry 5 censorship um so i do think that there's a nugget of something there of for everybody who really likes the more niche Japanese games that were heavily affected by this, it's a real standout of people. Uh, and, and I think you even said it, Saul, that they're going to lose a lot of people to the switch.
1: Yeah. Cause the switch is
0: not doing this just out of, uh, you know, I would say it's, principle alone it's like why do this and then definitely when your competitor who's known for being family friendly has no problem with
1: it yeah and you have like like rob who is a playstation fan who loved his ps4 now he's not getting the next-gen console because of these decisions and he's probably not the only one yeah as a matter of fact i know he's not the only one so kind of just goes into play of especially in this day and age especially what just happened with blizzard censoring is not currently the way to go for stuff like this
0: it's funny you mentioned the Blizzard thing because uh, one of the guys actually went into how the Chinese market investing into their things and because the Chinese government subsidizes these things for gaming, it's government-backed. So technically, they get re- reimbursed money to yeah. invest in games. But not to mention they're so, partnered with NetEase. Exactly. So when you're looking at this, it's but it's, it's companies outside of Blizzard, you know. If you look, it, it really seems like it's heavily... We get more and more proof that Sony's decision to censor their games across the board was to appease the Chinese investors as Excuse me, as we've seen China, uh, as we've seen Sony try and break more and more into the Chinese market uh the past two years with their China hero projects that they do where they have a bunch of Chinese developers coming in and doing their things uh and of course, as you see them try and break in when when is also trying to break in where possible, it's a huge gaming market, technically, China is the biggest gaming market, yeah, so when Sony can push in, the more they can do to appease the chinese you know uh, government and the, the way right. that they do things which is so different from what we are as americans and what we expect yeah. um and it almost gets into that though of like do
1: you think that there should be an issue and this is a different really a different conversation for a different day but it kind of comes down to like should we should should that be replaced by some someone else who we shouldn't have a distance ourselves like this to r- to risk money loss.
0: Well, it's just, I think it goes to show of how much influence China, and, and it, it doubles down on certain things that some people have been saying where China has got way too much influence in, in, yeah. in too many countries, let alone America, Oh yeah, uh, but some Especially. European influence as well. America. Even Japan, when you're dealing with the fact that Japan tries to break into a, from a business perspective, China has a lot of power. Absolutely. Um, and if that is the case on this, it's a very interesting thing to see Sony going through and it makes me wonder if Sony decides to back off from it or if they're going to keep with it to try and keep their presence in that market. Because I understand that from a sheer business perspective, it of course makes sense, but it goes, it's one of those things where it's an unfortunate way of, if that is the reasoning behind all this, it's letting one market dictate what you do across every market. And you know, we were just talking about, or I was just talking about Sony being global uh, in a way that very few companies are. Microsoft is not nearly as global as Sony is in this regard. Um, and, that is unfortunate, and we've seen it not affect Microsoft, but it's also not affected Nintendo, who is also a fairly global brand. So, it, yeah, it's kind of just like we'll see, and maybe we're wrong on what powerless. the reasoning is, you know. But it does seem like I, it I, makes I, sense. I, I think we're more right than wrong on that part, I think so as well. Uh, all right, so that's going to end up our or cap off our community stake section. Thank let you, everybody. Me, let for everybody me read the
1: first article from the news. Uh, okay, go ahead. Death Stranding's PS4 bundle listing on Best Buy shows the complete product packaging, and if this is accurate information, then Death Stranding stands uh, as a rather smaller open-world game in the wake of Red Dead 2's 100-gigabyte install, Final Fantasy VII remakes, two-disc setup hinting at a rather large install, and even more linear-like games like The Last of Us 2 requiring two-discs in order to reinstall. <laughs> the product art has the game coming at 55 gigabytes, nearly half of that of Red Dead 2, despite and insistence that the uh, game will take a lot of time to beat. And then it goes on to say, the disparity of this game size is interesting. So uh, I put
0: those notes in there for when I'm doing the news. You get a little behind the scenes here. Uh, I put those in when I'm doing the news and whatever thought that first comes to mind when I'm doing the news, I'm like, ah, I'll make sure to kind of, that, it, it spurs the thought in my mind of what to say, which is, that is weird. You know, when you have a game that's literally way more linear, like the last of us two coming in at that big, yeah, and then you have a game like this. Cause it's, it's, Silent Hill. So like, I that's, know. that's the thing. <laughs> I it's knew like, that's, that's where the Ten hat come back in. When you said the tin hats were coming yeah. in later in the show, I already knew. That's, that's
1: why. you Look at that game. Look at how great the game looked for the size of the world it was in. That's it, only because that, that part of that game only happens in one real little, little small little instance. That's that's the dream. So,
0: <laughs> So you think everything they've shown of Death Stranding is some weird elaborate I think it's
1: part of the game, but I think it's, I
0: think it's, it's like, like a dream sequence that yeah. happens within something.
1: Either that or it's like a, it's completely fake. <laughs> it's just like, it's like the, what was it? The, um, oh man, it Do was you Moby Dick style intro to Metal Gear Solid 5 with the whale. Oh yeah. Which is why actually in the very beginning of Metal Gear Solid 5, your character
0: Snake is called Ishmael. <laughs> yeah. Ishmael. But yeah. Or Ishmael. Yeah. yeah um you know the the thing about that that comes down to me the most is that as fun as it is to sit here and and be ridiculous and positing that this is going to be you know continuing that long running thing that you've had and i know it's a joke if it's real it's like 50 50 (laughs) if if it's real do you know how ridiculous it would be that if it's if, if it's entirely fake if it's entirely fake do you know how ridiculous it would be for them to make playable sections and demos and how much money they're spending I just would, to put a marketing face out there that's not real? I would think that they would
1: have to have that at some point in the game or like a something, maybe like a prologue. Because false advertising yeah, would come into of, play? Yeah, yeah, like as a that's prologue. That's part, that,
0: that was what I was going towards. Or maybe well. maybe
1: like Death Stranding is a three hour game where Silent Hills comes in right afterwards is like,
0: maybe that explains Credit how credits roll and is. then it says, uh, and then it comes up and says Konami and you're like, what? Well and- here, here we go.
1: So Death Straining is after the world ended, and it ends with uh Sam dying, which is what we could go with, and then what we realize is like, no, this is a dream having by the main character, and the world ends because the baby that he killed was the Antichrist.
0: Saw <laughs> so I love I love the that your dedication to this theory is fantastic. <laughs> Or are, are not even the theory, because your theory changes from time to time, but your oh, yeah. dedication to the <laughs> one through line that it's always at this game is in some way, shape, or form Silent Hills.
1: Even when I beat that game and it's not Silent Hills, I'm, he pulled the wool over my eyes. It's something else now. <laughs>
0: you're going to be looking for the smallest things of like, that hinted that the sequel to this game is actually going to be Silent Hills, and then you're going to restart the, the process all over again. I
1: still find it weird that the radio was put into Metal Gear Solid 5, too. Like, it's kind of unusual for that to be in there, but I guess it was a cool uh, Easter egg. Yeah, I mean, it Easter eggs Konami-owned properties.
0: Yeah, Easter eggs are pretty interesting. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't there something else? Um, Knock recent, Loose just did a song with that in there. That's what it was. Which is weird. They were talking about,
1: yeah. Which is <laughs> weird, because they had to get the rights from Sony to use that song, and Sony doesn't own that. Uh, that's a record well, made had, by Sony. They had, Sony, by Sony had to get the
0: rights from Konami yeah, to, to use play that song. Or and it's like, whatever, to use the vocal recording. Yeah, so... Hmm. <laughs> i i'm it's not weird look there's plenty of weird stuff to go off of but it is weird i know Corey's in the same boat with so, me so so look going back to the real the heart of it i am curious what you think you know when you have all these games that are that big why is this game so small
1: i just told you what i think
0: <laughs> like, well i mean like i mean tinfoil hat off if you if this is the real game i i hate that kojima's always so vague as well with quote a lot of time end quote to beat what is that yeah, like is that is is are you telling me that an open world game is going to be shorter than The Last of Us Two? I mean, maybe I don't know. God of War is technically not open world, and it's forty something hours, if, depending on how you played it. I could see this game being open linear. I could too, but they—he's insisted on a number of times that it's an open world, and, and that's we've part seen of more why, than one environment.
1: Because I was gonna say maybe it's, it's the same environment, but no, we've seen a foresty area.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and if I remember right, part of what he was talking about is that's why that he landed on the um, the engine from Horizon, the um, Decima engine, Decimate, yeah. because of the fact that it's so well. Or it's it's so well tuned into open world games for the PlayStation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it, part of its that games are just getting so big, I think mostly because of PS4 Pro support to a big extent. The game has to have the stuff to go in and work there. But the game is large even if you play as a normal PS4. It makes me go back and look. I'm going to look real quick. I have the information somewhere, but... Um, I'm I'm curious as to what Horizon Zero Dawn's install size was because what it may be is that like you you gigabytes. may have a fantastic uh, you may have somebody who really understands how to compress correctly and ends up getting you a thing where it's, you know. It looks like a it looks like it's 41.79 gigs. 41 gigs, that's not bad. It's pretty big size, but it's it also 36. 2017. You know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it makes you wonder. That game did that was one of the earliest shows of the play, of the PS4 Pro and what it could really do. And I think it was one of the earliest examples of a game that was very well optimized for it. Uh, but it's still a it's quite a small game when you have all these games coming out that are. And it was a long game. I mean, it's not. It wasn't a short game.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it was. I would say you could probably beat it around 14 hours, 14 to 18. For Horizon. Yeah.
0: Man, I guess because I always play those games with doing the extra stuff alongside. I got the Platinum. I thought like the man, game was I, like 25 I, hours. I, I got the Platinum. Which is at, still not a massive long. but.
1: Well, yeah, I got the Platinum. and I felt like the game was maybe 23 to 25 hours, somewhere in there. In
0: my mind, I thought the Platinum took me around 35 hours. No, the only, I don't know. It's I, been I, a long time I did everything as
1: I went so that the, I only had one trophy at the end, which was the armor. Yeah. Once you beat the game. Yeah. But uh, I think you messed up on a trophy, didn't you? No, I didn't have to re-beat anything. Well, it was Hellblade that you messed up on the trophy for, yep. wasn't it? Okay.
0: Those games were, so, like, in my mind, so I never, Because I never follow trophy guides first time I didn't playing either. through a game. That's what, that's uh, what made
1: me mad, because, like, you're talking about the one thing you missed, which was, like, yeah, you, all you do is go, like, around the tree over there, and it's right there. <laughs> it's it just one of them. Yeah. And I had to play
0: it just to get one of right. them. Right, but, but, but it was, like,
1: two hours into the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty early on. Well, I'll say that. Wasn't that game, like, three... The game was about seven hours. Was it? Okay.
0: Yeah. It was a, it was medium length. It was around the same length that everybody says the order was. Uh, anyway, next up, while we're still on the topic of Death Stranding, we also learned that its review embargo will lift uh, for those who are wanting to see what critics have to say before they go buy the game. Uh, you can expect reviews to hit starting November 1st, which is actually surprising. That's seven days before its November 8th release date, which is, I say, surprising because in comparison to Concrete Genie, which just came out, uh, its uh, review embargo was literally launch day, and we see games be I, normally I two or so days before launch, if not on launch.
1: I, I rarely think that there's something to hide when it's when it's launch day. Yeah, but this is this is telling me something completely different. Where it's a week out. Yeah, that's that's rough. Weird. Yeah. Like, that's that's either going to be really, really detrimentally good for the game or bad.
0: Is that a testament to the length, though? You know, when we were talking about in the last question, he says it takes a while to beat. Well, it's part of that seven days to ensure that all the reviewers have time to a- adequately beat the game. No, because I'm sure they'll get it. I'm sure that they will
1: receive it a determined time to beat before the embargo lifts. So it yeah, could course, be out on of time. Course.
0: But I'm still saying when you you think about that, it well, yeah. I guess I'm I'm conflating the fact that it'll take them a while to beat it. It doesn't really matter when the review goes out. Yeah, the review should a go seven live seven days before.
1: Or yeah, he, he expects reviews to go live seven days before. So then yeah. he'll probably send the game out a week, two weeks, three weeks beforehand possibly.
0: Yeah, that's a very odd one. Like I, determined
1: I a, like something he could determine, like, yeah, they can beat this game in two weeks if they focus on it.
0: I wonder if there's any if there's any r- wiggle room of like, well, you can start putting reviews up on the first, but in case you are wanting to f- wait a little longer because you haven't beat the game or because it's a weird game and we want you to make sure that you're, uh, you know, I'm sure it makes me wonder if that's wiggle room for people who I'm play f- the game and go, I need a couple of days to process this before I write about it. I don't know.
1: Well, once again, that can be factored in before the technical review. Exactly. Data. And then so, that also
0: comes into the fact that of how you feel about reviews. I actually personally feel that if it's a review, specifically a review, not some kind of in, larger in-depth look at the game, but a review, I feel like some of your gut stuff should kind of be involved in that review. I feel like if you want to do like a expose on the game, then going way in, more into depth about your feelings and making sure that it's set with you for a little while is important. You know?
1: Yeah. And well... I will say that that I do think that you, speaking of wiggle room, like you were talking about, and that when you are a video game reviewer and you miss the first one to two days of the video game review embargo lifting, I feel like that's bad because you
0: such a competitive are late. market. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I feel like that Kojima Productions would see that. No, I, I mean you know it's hard to keep track of all the reviews that come out, but who knows how many people he sends out copies to? And they may have well, a and deadline. it's Sony
0: technically who's seeing it, but you well, know. yeah yeah um that's a good question, either way. Something strange that you don't see very often, definitely when you have so many like Bethesda and their policy now that um you want the review codes will be sent out day of release um you remember that was a thing that was that was involved is that you wouldn't even get a code until release day yeah um very different that to see, but real interesting gives people plenty of time to really parse through reviews to make sure they want to buy a game. I guess that's the one benefit they have, Uh, but moving along uh, PS4 firmware 7.0 finally dropped after a long beta period. The full release extended remote play, to all Android phones following the feature coming to iPhone earlier this year. And in case you remember, the Sony Xperia line has had it as an exclusive feature on Android for years prior. Um, yeah. Going no, all the way back no to... white box Xperia phones. I mean, they, they, they buy them. I don't know. Not in huge numbers by any <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, that's just being honest. Uh, Ryan, I mean, Ryan uses Xperia phones. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah, he he's a he uses Sony branded phones. They're good phones. It's just not phones, phones are a competitive market. Yeah, you know. So uh, anyway, uh, on top of that, uh, the features. Uh, Users can expect finer control and dialing in their HDR to best fit their TV, which, I, let me tell you, I actually really enjoyed um, the past few days since this update has hit, and it actually makes you reset your HDR stuff um, completely. It has a new way of going through it. It doesn't just auto-detect. Instead, it puts you through a series of things that lets you dial in the exact minimum brightness and high broad, highest brightness of your TV to give you the best range. And I've noticed a difference in Borderlands 3 when I've been playing it. Because it's a very colorful game. Yeah. So, yeah, I I was impressed. That's a good thing. There's been a lot of games that are HDR specified. And even though my TV is very expensive and has great uh, HDR certain games still have problems with it like uh, assassin's creed Origins, still had a lot of blowout because it just wasn't set right yeah. then you have games like red dead it, it goes to show that hdr is not something that developers have a full grasp on yet some do some don't it's like 4k
1: was like, two years ago
0: yeah it's like red dead launched with hdr that wasn't even actually hdr yeah it uh, and was they had like, to go uh, back wasn't and, it
1: just contrasted differently from the base it was game?
0: some kind of it, it did summon the colors but it wasn't technically considered HDR. So they had to go back in and rework it completely, which is interesting from a developer and a, and a publisher and a series as big yeah. as, you know, rockstar and red dead and all that. Uh, but anyway, keep going on to the features. Um, it bumps the max party size up to 18 players from the original eight chat transcription can be used via the ps4 second screen app to have voice chat converted to text for you to read back as well as the ability to enter text to have it read out loud to party members this feature that's is cool. only available in english and in certain territories that they actually sell the system in Right. the now.
1: transcription and then that is very cool the the, the 16 part i don't know why you, you might need that that's so
0: Six, hectic 16's too much i yeah. will definitely agree the, the transcript thing i think helps for one thing in particular deaf people. it lets people who are obviously deaf handle their thing and it also. It also lets people who, who for whatever reason, don't have a mic, or maybe in a temporary area between having mics because one broke, it lets them still participate in party chat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, or it, and it could be for anything. Even if it's just the comfort of someone wanting to come home and not wanting to use their voice, or maybe they're subco- self-conscious about their voice, and they just want to go, you know, I still want to be in the party chat, but now I can just do it all through this. I hope I can make the voice Microsoft Sam. <laughs> That'd be fantastic for crap talking. Yes. Too bad I can't go into too much of it. That would be hilarious. Uh, You know, the whole... It'd be great to see if it would do the swash, swash, swash. Yeah, the waffle copter. Yeah, Yeah. I would love it. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, let's see. With audio quality uh, in voice chats is supposedly also improved and general network connectivity is improved as well. Lastly, this comes alongside the announcement that many of you have probably seen directly from PlayStation. It gets sent to your uh, system as a message. Uh, Facebook integration is no longer supported on the PS4, which affects some of the friends list and share features that have been available on the console since launch. Um, PS4 and and, and Sony and PlayStation rather have not said anything that that would allude to the fact that it's coming back. But Facebook says it's a it's a short contractual gap that they will have a new contract soon and that the feature will be coming back. Who knows? Um, You know, there's some speculation over what it's about. And I and I don't for sure. Want to say that there's some people saying that it's because Sony doesn't want to give all the user information that Facebook requires for Facebook, Get um, on Sony, if that's the case, if too. that's the case, I agree with that as well. Uh, but we don't know that for sure. So if it comes back and you, and you're one of the people that used it, hope that you hope that it comes back for you. Otherwise, if it comes back at the risk of more of my personal information going, I personally don't want that. Um, but who knows? I mean, I have a Facebook, so I guess I can't say anything too much, but I'm yeah. not on it so much that it really matters. You know, that's kind of the way I, I balance having a Facebook, I'm hardly on it. They're not going to really learn anything from me on it, besides the fact that people talk about Facebook being able to listen into your general conversations and that's a real question of whether sure it, it has, happens or most, not most
1: apps do that if yeah. not just the normal phone doing that itself
0: sure uh next up psvr celebrates its third birthday today actually specifically originally launching on october 13th 2016 and going on to become a market leader in the vr space sony have a huge sale going on right now over on the playstation store with big vr games discounted up to 70 percent off so if you have a vr uh, and they've been looking to get some games for it there you go Go do that. I think that there's also uh, some sales on the hardware itself. I don't think they're that steep, that but I think there is some, in case you've been waiting to get into one. Uh, next up, Doom Eternal, originally intended to launch November second or November 22nd. Rather, this year has been pushed back into the very crowded early next year with a March 20th release date. This delay is naturally for the team to have extra time to bring the game up to the level of polish that fans expect and ensure that the game launches in its best state. I actually think that this is a mix between a good thing because it lets the game be delayed and it probably really needs it. Otherwise they wouldn't have done this, but it just pushes it back into a time that I think is way less competitive for it. It was one of the only games in a not that competitive area this late this year. And as far as I'm concerned yeah. and now it's getting thrown in with cyberpunk, which
1: Absolutely. is
0: it, whether or not the game ends up being amazing. It's launch day sales are going to be great just off the back of the Witcher. yeah. Uh, and then from there, it may Animal end up Crossing. Be, yeah. Animals you has Animal there. Crossing. Uh which I do think is one of those one of the actual examples of Animal Crossing actually probably <laughs> exists to do the best on its own because it's so different. Yeah. Um and it's just for it's only for Switch. So you kind of have a, a mix too. of those things. Uh, but you have uh, Final Fantasy coming out uh, early that year, and that's a big game that's coming out at that point in time. Final Fantasy seven remake is yeah. um, i thought that yeah you're right that is march march yeah um march 2nd i kept thinking february i'm not mistaken uh anyway it might even be march 20th it's but it's definitely march that's the new february 22nd i know man there's so many there's so much stuff coming out in that point and i genuinely can't even remember everything to tell you but it's a massive massive window i think there's some talk of neo 2 coming out around then there's just a ton of games that have moved into that time period that time slot And I don't understand how it's going to work out. I mean, The Last of Us 2 is obviously in that time slot. Very similar, very close. Crammed up months. And they're coming late. So they're dealing with the fact of people who do like all these games are going to have a drained wallet. Yeah. (laughs) I know I sure will. Uh, But I'll deal with that in the moment next up need for speed heat on the other hand has gone gold ahead of its november 8th release alongside death stranding same day i actually think that's another example of death stranding and need for speed heat being so different games that them releasing on the same day is almost non like a non-issue yeah um because honestly if you are interested in them both you can buy them both and i can see there being equal real estate for you to play them time wise of one is a very serious story-driven game, and one is a game that has a story, but it's really just to give you a window into racing, which is what people want to buy that game for. Um, so, anyway, congrats to the team over at Ghost Games for getting the game ready to go. I, for one, am excited about it. I like racing games. I hope it's good. Could could suck. I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I stand. Um, I like that they at least have got a good uh, good spirit about it. You know, whenever they went up on Gamescom and joked about the "I said right now" thing. Uh, that i like that i appreciate it i didn't like it in the trailer yep all right next up with monster hunter worlds iceborne expansion releasing recently the team has no plans of slowing down with the first free update having just hit this adds the Rajang, jang i don't know how you said that monster new tempered monsters a new volcanic biome uh to the gilded lands and more more free content is planned for november as this game continues to truck on with the announcement that it has shipped 14 million units up 1 million units from its last count in july I know that that's not a huge jump, $1 in about a three-month period, but that's really impressive when you have a game that's this far into its life cycle. Yeah. So, good on them. You know, Capcom has got a little cash cow on their hands. If they keep handling it with the same level of respect and care that Iceborne seems to be, where so many people are so excited about it being essentially a sequel that just happens to be an expansion. Yeah. If they keep handling it this way, they have a very good cash cow that... Hopefully they're not abusing. It just it's it ends it's up one being one of
1: the coolest games as a service out there.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that. It's very it's very rare that you get a game that works as well in that saying that we've seen at least so far. Yeah, um, definitely the way they handle free content. It happens so often, and it's just kind of like okay, this is cool. and it's
1: always like in the, a cool Capcom, Capcom vein, like Devil May Cry mm-hmm. and Resident Evil Two,
0: or even things like the the crossover events they've done. Like uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't well, they do Ace a fourteen? Did they do an Assassin's Creed crossover as well? I don't think so. I
1: don't, I don't, I not off the top of my head that doesn't sound familiar at all.
0: You know, we dipped out of the game so hard. But I do think that there was a Monster Hunter World uh, Assassin's Creed event. I actually say just a there little was. There was. There was. I actually said a little was. bit
1: later than you. Yeah, you did. Much. You did. Like a um, month or two.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh next up after Oh, actually, I skipped one, but we're going to go back to it. Continuing with its partnership with games, Stranger Things and Netflix, alongside Rocket League, have announced a crossover for the game during their Haunted Hallows event. This free event includes the ability to earn candy corn to unlock Stranger Things themed items for your car. Goes live October 14th, which is tomorrow, the day this episode goes up, and runs until November 11th. Uh, Next up, though, on the list is after their partnership for Hitman 2, IO Interactive and Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment have announced a new partnership for a new game. Nothing about what the game might be was teased at all. This is just a very uh, simple surface-level announcement, meaning it could be more Hitman. Hitman 3 was teased in a documentary a while back that it was probably something they were going to do uh, but it could also be an entirely new ip which would be marking a huge step forward for the studio as hitman's the only project they have worked on and the only thing that they've really focused on since io uh, had their split from square enix to become an independent studio and they fought for hitman uh, to get the rights back from square so
1: and that's such a cool series too
0: I saw a video, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen it by now. The jet ski one? The jet ski one was fantastic. You know, Agent uh, 47, didn't this this thing? Yeah. Anyway, he walks up, and he's carrying a a briefcase, and he's wearing like beach clothes, like a pink button-up shirt and some shorts, and he's just walking, and a guy on a jet ski goes off, and he throws this briefcase at him, and it just follows the guy like a heat-seeking missile, and just keeps going. 30 seconds. Yeah, until the guy finally comes back to shore, and happens to be right in front of the agent, and it just comes back and hits him and, and blows up. It was just hilarious. Um, so I think that that game exists in such a weird vacuum. Uh, I don't even say vacuum. It, it, it stands in a place where there's not a lot of games in that style of genre that it works. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised that Square Enix were so willing to let it go.
1: Yeah, and you know I really like those that game too because the a parallel to that is Mega Solid Five with just taking in a situation and then just doing what you want in it.
0: And the other game that I can really think of, but it exists a little differently because it is an open world. I do feel like that's the only reason that the Just Cause series has any real legs. Yeah. Is that it's a game that can be so ridiculous. Um, there was a, I, I can't remember it to the T, but there was something going on uh, where a guy had done, <laughs> you know, in, in at least in Just Cause 2, that's the only one I've played. um that you could grapple to stuff and it would, and you could grapple things together. Yeah. And it would leave a tether. And Guy had, uh, in, in Just Cause 4, he put a car and he tethered uh, animals. I think it was bulls to it. Uh, and it just kept going. I can't remember how many bulls it was or cows it was. And then he put little things on it that are essentially like boosters. The sticky bombs? Jet boosters yeah. or whatever. And then he gets in the car and nice little things and it just acts as like a rocket on the cows and it starts going forward and it's, it's a sleigh. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just ridiculous but it's a game that I have no interest in p- for its actual story or anything like that and the game t- tends to have a lot of bugs which I don't think Hitman's actually nearly the offender for but it goes I, to show that there's a love for a game that lets you kind of do whatever. When when Hitman was free like a couple months back on PlayStation Plus I, I still never played it. I played it. I downloaded it and played
1: a little chunk of it I had I can't encountered no real bugs.
0: Yeah, it's because it's more confined, like you're in a map every time, and they're pretty large maps from what I've seen. Yeah, um, on the level, yeah, yeah, but I mean they're they're large enough to, and they're and they're populated enough. Yeah, they very the populated thing. on some levels too. Yeah, so I, I think it works out. You know, it doesn't ruin the the, the flow or feel of anything. There's it, like it, a
1: there's a fashion show level in one of those, like where that has like the catwalk and everything. I got lost in that level a lot. <laughs> like that level is pretty so big. it's
0: pretty big. Yeah. All right. Uh, next thing up, and this is good for Saul and everyone else, including myself. A little fun poking from software director and bloodborne creator miyazaki stirred the pot around a sequel for the 2015 beloved exclusive by saying quote bloodborne 2 unfortunately i'm not the one to decide end quote leading it to who is that he is ready and willing once sony gives the green light for the studio to make the game this could be him throwing the trail off of them already working on the game i thought about that yeah that makes sense It could hint that Sony has it in their sleeve as a game to release during the PS5's life cycle as a way to garner the same commercial and critical success that Bloodborne obviously hit. But also, what I've said a long time, a lot, the goodwill that that game brought from specifically the Soulsborne community, or now the Soulsborne community. um, It was one of those things where, like, Demon's Souls is still such a beloved game that we're hearing rumors of Bluepoint working on that, and that really does more and more seem to be the case but we don't know. Um, but it does seem like a, a Bloodborne sequel seems inevitable. So at this point, it sounds like he's either throwing the lead or Sony is waiting to give the okay so that it can be a PS5 game. I would love it if it was
1: a launch PS5 game. They still have... If it was a launch, a they'd be working on it right now,
0: which is definitely the thing. I would not expect Bloodborne 2 to be a PS4 game. That's essentially what I'll say at this yeah. point. No, no reason at all.
1: Even after, even after playing the Modern Warfare beta a couple of weeks back, and if you are in the middle of that beta, playing a game or not, if you're just on the main menu and you hit your home button, the PlayStation becomes a laggy mess.
0: Oh, really? I played, I played the beta, but look, I, didn't really, like, I didn't do that until I was ready to close the game.
1: I went to the old way to go to my friends. Instead let, of a quick menu? And let me tell you, that thing came almost to a halt in some parts. And I, you know, I'm on PlayStation 4 Pro. I'm really kind of curious as to how the performances of games like Last of Us 2 and Ghost are going to play like. So I can't even imagine what Bloodborne 2 would play like because if Bloodborne 1 had framing pa- frame pacing issues and frame rate problems that never got fixed, Bloodborne 2 would scare me.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you know, the other thing of that is that it, they're not the only developer for it. So I think it is one of those things where it, I don't think that it would happen this way. And I've said this a lot. It's always been the case that technically... Sony could move forward with bloodborne Two entirely free from from software, but I think Shuhei Yoshida, who's one of the biggest people that was instrumental in this from everything that we can tell in getting Bloodborne to be a game that they that uh, from software made they understand that part of the reason that people have such a you know an involved love and depth uh, for these games is because of Miyazaki and I think that you saw that with. Dark Souls Two being the most lauded game, or not, uh, the most derided game, I guess, of uh, of the Souls series because of Miyazaki's absence from the game, and I think that even if it's not con- entirely true, I wouldn't be surprised if all from software games moving forward say that Miyazaki's the director, even if he's not really the main director. Yeah. If he's like, oh well, creative director or something like that, yeah. you know, just so that you can show director he does, you know, H- H- Hideki Miyazaki, whatever his name is, uh, Hidetaka. Miyazaki, Hidetaki. yeah. Anyway, Miyazaki. yeah, it's Miyazaki. weird one, but who knows? Uh, and then from here, we're going to go on into the, unless you have anything else you want to add to that, so.
1: No, no, not, yeah. t- not in terms of news or anything. This, this, what we're about to talk about was my biggest exciting thing for news.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, so going into the main topic now, of course, I'm sure all of you who listen to this have read it. I would be really surprised if you had not. Uh, there was a article about, I think it was Tuesday, um, it might've been Monday, but I do think it was Tuesday, uh, or Wednesday. One of those two, I was very busy this week, uh, midweek. So it's hard for me. They're all running together at that point. Um, but PlayStation did the same thing that they did early this year, uh, around March or April or May, whatever it was, uh, when they talked about the PS or the next gen PlayStation, and we got the, the news about, uh, the solid state hard drive, okay. uh, and a bunch of the things that they're wanting to include, like a uh, ray tracing and what ray tracing is going to be. Uh, and what they did here, why will it not let me leave this alone?
1: Yeah, it's trying to get you to subscribe. Finally. That's what it was trying to get me to do on here. And then it says, three articles left. Get
0: unlimited to access. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this was, of course, an exclusive partnership with Wired, just like last time. Uh, bringing it on, there's an article that goes into this. And, of course, this first hit with a PlayStation blog post that said, hey, there's an article that went live today. Uh, and it was Jim Ryan so our our, our new arch nemesis our, our new face of PlayStation for better or worse wherever you feel on him he is the face of PlayStation for the western territories yeah that's just where we are um you know he he went into a little bit of detail on stuff on there but they link through to the original article of course to give wired the benefit that they were going to get from being able to have an exclusive story like this so uh, we're going re- to go through this article real quick and kind of talk about some of the stuff. One of the main things that they wanted to nail in first and foremost is the name of the console. And I get that. Everyone's been calling it PS5. Yeah. Not once has someone said it's going to be something different than PS5. I
1: don't think anybody expected it to be different either.
0: And it, and it hasn't. You know, unlike Nintendo and unlike Microsoft, PlayStation's naming structure has been cut and dry. The only time the playstation got weird at all was with the Vita. Right. Literally, PSP is the perfect name for the PSP. It should have been the PSP Dose. It's <laughs> PSP Dose. Uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised the Vita was not PSP 2. And I think part yeah. of that came down because of the fact that towards the end of the PSP time, if we're from the middle to the end, whenever the hacking became so bad, I think that there was probably a little bit of a thing of like, hey, for the investors and the dev- and let's the other not publishers, call it that. let's not name it after a system that, you know, it's was currently being jailbroken left
1: and right for free. Yeah.
0: And people playing games on for free. Uh, and you see that mirrored in the fact that the Vita what, took forever to get hacked, actually, um, in a way that could play the games for free. Uh, and they still work against making that be the case. But, you know, you've always seen them carry through with just a very straightforward namesake on everything besides Zavita. Um, and there was no reason for us to think that this was not going to be the case. So. Unlike Super Nintendo and Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, Nintendo GameCube, we no real naming convention. The most of that you've seen from a naming convention that stuck with Nintendo was the Game Boy. Well, DS. Man, that was still only two consoles. Yeah,
1: but all the iterations around it were
0: fair because you do have to kind of count in the the new 3DS yeah, well, yeah. and stuff. But well, I really just meant the I'll DS, and the, the 3DS, DS
1: Lite. DS Lite XL
0: Which is still the same system I guess It's not like PS1 PS2 PS Which are obviously All different systems Instead it's Game Boy Game Boy Color Are you saying The the DS Lite Same as 3DS No The DS Lite Is the same as the DS
1: Okay, yeah, I see so what you're saying.
0: So the DS moniker was only really used for two console generations. Two, yeah, two
1: technically, yes. But I'm just talking Which about Which I guess is true games. of
0: the Game Boy as well, right? The Game Boy was Game Boy, Game Boy Color was technically just a Game Boy with a color screen, correct? No, 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 Did no. Did it have a built-in extra a bump, a bump in processing?
1: Cuz like, well, no, like the games itself, like you couldn't take a Game Boy game and play it on Game Boy Color and have all the color that would
0: Well, no, but you could still play it. Yeah. And actually you could play in this if uh, actually I actually I know this was true for at least Pokemon. You could play Game Boy Color games on the original Game Boy, they just wouldn't have color. Well, Pokemon was not a Game Boy Color game. Well, Pokemon Silver and Gold were. Yeah, Pokemon Red and Blue were. And if you put Silver and Gold into a Game Boy, you could play them. Okay, so... They just wouldn't have color. I don't know if they're the same or not. I never really thought about that. Either way, so maybe it's not, because, you know, we saw the Game Boy Advance after that and then the Advance SP, which is still just a... So, either way, we haven't seen that be a common factor. Xboxes for sure had no common factor with their naming. Uh, Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, most confusing name I've ever seen xbox one terrible name and i stand by that forever it's a terrible name uh i'm surprised that they didn't change it but i kind of understand why they why they had to stick with it begrudgingly anyway but here we are we have it straight from the the word of of mouth it will be called the playstation 5 and again something that we've been doing since they talked about it initially we have said from day one and pretended and acted like not only was it called playstation 5 it was releasing holiday 2020 yeah there we go other side of that Broke the news. It is releasing holiday 2020. So look at that. We're validated. <laughs> Yay. Um,
1: now we got to guess the date. Oh, yeah. November 14th.
0: Here's the thing. I think that we all land on the fact that it's going to be a November release, right? Yeah. I absolutely. can't. Uh, when you tell me holiday, it seems like it would come after all of the big holiday releases. So I'm going to go a little bit later. When was the PlayStation 4? Was it November? Let's see. PlayStation 4th, November fifteenth, yeah, so mid month. You want to go ahead and put your guess in now? Yeah, I said November thirteenth Four, or fourteenth. 14th. fourteenth. 14th? Yeah. Let's see if it's. I'll, I'll at least give you the the courtesy of whether or not it's even a Tuesday or a Friday. Thirteenth would be a Friday, so we won't put in your put in your bet.
1: Yeah, I'll say thirteenth.
0: Okay. I'm gonna say that they go a little bit earlier, just like they did against the Xbox One, where they released a week in advance of the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And because I see Xbox maybe trying to be competitive again, I'm going to go up a little bit earlier. I'm going to call it November 6th. Somebody write that down and then tell us who won.
1: <laughs> and something about this article too that's real weird is they keep using the phrase 100 gigabyte optical disc. And I, I feel like yes. that's a, they're trying to misdirect people with that.
0: Uh, no, so I think what they're trying to do here, and I, I at least understand where you're coming from with that.
1: Because optical discs are like, that's the format that a Blu-ray disc is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an optical the, disc is a... As, DVD, yeah, as a, a, a Blu-ray, disc, yeah. uh, a readable disc. Yeah. And, um, but it's weird they're not just saying 100 gigabyte Blu-rays.
0: Well, because it, it, it may be another one of those things where technically right now the disc doesn't have a name. Even though it's probably still going to be based around Blu-ray technology, it may be one of those things where Blu-ray gets an evolution in its name and it's actually called something else. I don't think that'll happen with this Probably system. not. Probably not. But my point being is that why paint yourself into a corner right now if you don't have to? Yeah. All they're saying is, hey, look, we have a disc. And, it can, and it's 100 gigs, which means that the chances of games are being Blue two Ray discs disc are going to go 60 80? gigs. Okay. They, well, they have different sizes. Uh, well, it, the standard PS4 one. Yeah, I think that they're 60 gig disc. 60, okay. I was thinking 80. I think generation. they'd have to be 60 gig disc. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong on that. I mean, we could look it up. But either way, we are getting a real solution to the fact that at least as we've gotten really far into the PlayStation 4 generation, um, we've started to see games of course with red dead. And now we have a lot more games that we know are coming that are going to use this be multi disc. Yeah. So the idea of going with a hundred gigabyte optical disc mainly, and there's, there's a little bit more in here. I want to touch base on too that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing about the disc being a hundred gigs is you have more room for the games automatically. And then they were talking about, you know, not only is the hard drive we've been saying for a long time, how do you speed this up? What is it doing that speeds this up? Yeah. Um, and because it's going to be something that is, again, across the board, every console has this, it can be, it can be essentially acted as the, hey, we, we can optimize for this, if it's 100%, it's never going to be less than, whereas computer, you know, you're saying, well, how can it be better, faster than a computer one? Computer games still have to be made as if they were going to be played on a normal hard drive, because not every computer has a solid state drive, and well, you can't... Well, so
1: would multi-platform games...
0: Yeah, but hold on. What I'm saying is multi platform games are still made in a very different way. So when a multi platform game, when it comes out, they make an Xbox SKU, a PC SKU, and a PS4 SKU. Yeah. Uh, or PlayStation SKU, whatever you want to call it. The Xbox SKU is of course optimized and handled for Xbox and then in this case Xbox One X as well. Not every not right? all companies do that though. Not all companies, but I'm saying that's not, the back that you can do, right? Would do that. Okay, then let's go down to the simple of it. Get rid of the mid gen refreshes completely. Okay. Right, just for the sake of this is something that's always been true playstation has their playstation 4 they say here's the, the playstation 4 SKU. all playstation 4s run off is this exact same thing it's perfectly optimized or as closely optimized as we can get it yeah. as a company xbox same way pc not all pcs are the same we have to make the game scalable which makes it work in such a different way that in this case you're looking at from going just like you can say well we can't we have to make the game work on not only a NVIDIA GTX 970 or whatever, mm-hmm. but we also have to make it work on a. I can't even think of a different card, <laughs> but like a 1060, 60. Sure, fine, 1060. We have to make it work across the spectrum uh, because not everybody's going to have this one, and then even more so, they're not all going to have NVIDIA. They're also going to have Radeon. They're going to uh, they're going to have an yeah. entirely different AMD setup. All right, and then that's just on the graphics card. Right Then you go over to the processor. You go, well, they're not all going to have Intel processors. we got to make sure it works with uh, AMD processors and a wide variety of those. Then you go back into the the, – when you get to where I'm talking about, then you're saying, well, not every computer is going to have a hard drive. Not every computer is going to have a solid-state drive. Not every computer is going to have a hybrid drive. So we have to make it work for the lowest common denominator as well, which means the game is not going to be perfectly optimized. Well, there we go. How did that happen? I don't know. I'm not really worried about it. My laptop died. I may have to pull this article up elsewhere. Uh, but my... I remember a lot of what I wanted to talk about, so we'll see. Uh, but when you're looking at that, one of the great things about the PlayStation 5 being the thing that sets up and says, oh, hey, here we are, is that... Well, thank you, Saul. So nice of you. I don't know how... Yeah, there we go. See, I don't know how the cable's going to reach. It's not going to. Okay, just throw the away then. We're done. <laughs> um... Man, dragging this on as much as I can, huh? Uh, anyway, the thing about the PlayStation 5 having that, and even the Xbox is going to benefit from this, since every console is going to have that, every game can be made of saying, we, don't, we no longer have to account for the way a normal hard drive works. And Mar, uh, Mark Cerny goes into that in this interview, and there's a part mm-hmm. where you can read it. He talks about with a common hard drive right now, uh, the games are all bigger than they need to be because there's multiple copies of everything in the game. Updates so it's, everything. Well, there's multiple copies of items, uh, items that come into contact a lot because they need for to, for them to load in quickly and and be seamless. It, Say um, a car that is in the game a lot and you're going to see it constantly. It's copied twenty times on that hard drive so that at any given point where the where where the reads at, it's close so it can go to it and pull yeah. it and pull it into frame. And the less often you see an item the less time it's copied, but it's copied multiple times and it's a waste of space because of the way the hard drive has to work. The way the solid state drive works, they no longer have to deal with copies. So not only are games going to be set up to where they don't have to make copies near as often, or maybe even at all uh, of the objects that you need to see to pull in, that's going to save a ton of room. You're not wasting room on a disc just to have the same item 20 times in the, in the, in the thing just so it can read as it needs to. And I know this is kind of getting into the weeds, but I think we finally have our answer as to how this might be even quicker than a PC's hard drive uh, or solid-state drive. Because a PC game is not going to be completely optimized to only work on that solid-state drive, whereas was, every PlayStation 5 game will that be. That was my point. You can't
1: say that, though. You can't promise that for sure. Because a, cause a multi, say, Activision and whatever they're working on, they may mess that up. And that optimization well, may not be.
0: maybe they will. But, I mean, uh, the... Across the board, more often than not, any SKU is going to be optimized for specifically PS4 and yeah. specifically Xbox. And I'm it's just, saying, just going like, to make it easier.
1: You, right. But you, like, I wouldn't always say that they're still going to perform better because we don't know the tech yet.
0: No, we still don't. But I'm just saying, I understand how, because your, your biggest thing was how Spider Man cut down to 0.8 seconds. Yeah, I still don't believe that. And, and, and I'm not saying it's true. Yeah. All we have is until information see, to go like, off of.
1: Concrete information and concrete proof that this is actually a thing. I
0: think you're not going to believe it until this is, and I won't either, until the system's in your hand. In terms of real belief, I believe it as far as what they're trying to tell us, but that doesn't mean that the end product is actually going to do this. Yeah. That's just one like of those... Stadia
1: saying you could get five megabytes down and you could play 4K 60. No. Yeah. That's not, th- that's exactly. not a thing.
0: Exactly. And and we see right now, PlayStation now says five megabytes per second minimum, but it doesn't still, work yeah, very well.
1: No. Um. So I yeah. was playing party chat with Gavin last night. And he's using Windstream, which is probably thirty to sixty and or less. And what is it?
0: Uh, under ten. Under ten. And literally, he and hopped ten into the, is the max speed you can get for most part in our area for Windstream. But that normally translates down to about three point five. Max. He
1: literally was stopping me from being able to talk because of his net issues last night. Yeah, like he jumped back into the party. Because he had had issues with Joe, and then all of a sudden I couldn't hear, or I could hear them, but I couldn't talk to them, and and I had to jump out of the party, jump back in, and then it said I couldn't talk to him because Nat issues. It took him I had him having to jump out and come back in too to be able to talk. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of things that companies say around releases of of items that they're going to have, especially for uh, marketing and 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 building hype, building, yeah. yeah. And so I just I don't understand how they can take tech that is already currently getting peak and peak highness even m.2 drives that are $300 for a terabyte cannot hit this
0: I don't know enough about that. Oh, no, I'm 100% sure that M.2 SSDs. I just, I I have Actually, I said a
1: terabyte. M.2 SSDs are are ridiculous. Uh, But my point
0: being is, I have nothing to add to that because that's way past my point of knowledge uh, to even a surface level. Uh, But either way, I like that they're going into details on different things. One of the things that Mark Cerny mentioned was that when, you know, he was, people were wondering, was the ray tracing going to be. Yeah. Was the ray tracing going to be something that was uh, software, uh, buoyed. And he said, no, it is hardware level. See, and what I don't get with this either is that
1: I was reading an article about this and they're talking about what does hardware accelerated mean for ray tracing? Because that's not something a PC does currently. It's not something that's integrated into graphics cards right now. That is something that there's nothing a graphics card does to accelerate anything to provide ray tracing. It's well, the pre or raw. Again, graphics. I don't have
0: the, the, the document or I don't have the article in front of me, which is unfortunate. I'm going to well, see if I can pull it up. Or I'm what. here on wired. You can just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to go to it anyway. Um but on that, yeah, it, it still comes down to a lot of stuff of
1: well, like is that a, is that a fancy way of potential checkerboarding for ray tracing or something?
0: Well, no, I, I mean he. And again, we don't know one hundred percent sure, but if we're if all we're going off is. Looking at what he's saying and basing our things around it, you know, here's the actual thing from the article for anybody who cares, says Cerny uh, Cerny wants to clarify something. When we last discussed the forthcoming console, he spoke about its ability to support ray tracing, a technique that can enable complex lighting and sound effects in 3D environments, which was the thing that he put more emphasis on uh, in that original article. Given the many questions he's received since, he fears he may have been ambiguous about how the PS5 would accomplish this and confirms that it is not a software level fixed, not software accelerated, software level, which some had feared. There is ray tracing acceleration in the GPU hardware, he says, which I do believe is a statement that people were looking for. A belief borne out by my own Twitter mentions. Anyway, um, so here's the thing a lot of this talk and this happened in the first one too is stuff that i think that there's a core group of people who are going to really dig into that and go oh yeah i understand at least some bits of what they're saying whereas some people are go i don't even know what ray tracing i don't even know what that is i've never yeah. heard the word I, until for, now
1: where people don't know like that's realistic light and shadows like
0: all oh, dimensional
1: realistic and not yeah. only that but it is the sound that can be accompanied with pinpoint accuracy, and it actually can provide sound for shadow and light as well that is present in real life, whether it's white noise or not like that that you don't typically get, that's, mm-hmm. that's almost second like nature to hear, they, it can help provide that too. Um, and not only that, but ray tracing, the best way I could think to to provide like a visual example for ray tracing is God Rays, Yeah, but done completely differently. But and, God
0: Rays are a fake way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah a very fake way of doing um, it. Where this
1: is supposed to be a very natural... Or well, game in-game natural at least. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, either way, you know that there is a lot of talk on this that I know is going to get a lot of people in the weeds. So I do want to say that while we've touched on some of these things, and for the people who have read it, I hope that that does assuage some of people's fears about way that the, that some of this stuff will work, at least from a wording standpoint. We won't know until the console's in our hands if any of this stuff is, or at least at a... it's a, at least partially true, no matter what. Yeah, you know, but. To what level is it really going to be this and to what level does it perform? And I think, you know, it'd be really interesting when the system comes out for us to get some time with it and then come back and see how either surprised and impressed or. I'm hoping it's going to be surprised and impressed. Yeah, about specifically the hard drive speeds. Yeah, you know, it that's, is going to be the interesting thing.
1: That's what I'm really, really curious about because, like I said, M.2 SSDs have some of the fastest read, or that's not even real read write speeds at that point anymore, would it be with digital?
0: No, it's it's essentially flash memory.
1: Yeah, um, but it's essentially which is what a solid state is essentially. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, and and, and M. Two is the same thing. It just uses a different connector on the different motherboard. Yeah, so that you have a different bottleneck. Yeah, Yeah. and Um, and it's one of those things that's like. Most streamers who speedrun and stuff use M.2s, SSDs for their games because sometimes when they count their games, not all of them do this. I think it depends on the run you're doing. They count load screens. Mm -hmm. So they want the load screens to be as quick as possible. And even then, there's still not load screens. It's .6. That's less. People, that's less than a second to fast travel somewhere. Stand up. Because right now, the time you took to stand up is going to be... Maybe three times faster than it took you to, or to three times slower than it took you to speed uh, or to tr- fast travel in a video game.
0: In the setup that he's speaking In, in the
1: setup, yeah. So it's just, and, and once again, it could be they didn't specify that's for every game. They specified that's for Spider-Man, which is a current-gen game. Mm-hmm. So that very well would mean that next-gen hardware can, can run these current-gen games at a much faster speed and not mean that for everything. Yeah, who knows? It, it, that was yeah. a little more
0: vague. Uh, but to go into a territory that I think is one of the biggest takeaways from this, and I am curious as to what a lot of people feel about this because I am excited by the idea, but I'm also curious to see how much they're overselling it because we see it haptic feedback is something we already have in phones now. So to get into that a little bit and kind of go what towards what we're talking about, one of the things to talk about is that the the new controller is going to essentially look very similar to the DualShock Four. Um, and the the person who wrote the article did get to actually hold a prototype of the controller and um he says you know one of the things sony's doing is moving away from the dual shock motor the vibration motors that they've essentially more or less been using some form of all the way back to the original PlayStation 1 um now it's improved in sometimes the strength or the number of them all that different things um but for the most part PlayStation controllers have always just used the same vibration motors and now with this controller what they're saying. And I am curious as to what this is going to affect the cost. If at all, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see is it the dual shock five or whatever it will be called right now. It does not have a name may not be called the dual shock since we're moving to haptic. Um, it is saying that, you know, one of the things that's going to happen when you have a cell phone, haptic feedback, if you go and enable it, you'll see it. Like when you're typing, you'll feel a little vibration and it's not, it's more nuanced than a vibration motor that spins something around and knocks around. It's more of a, like, it's more of what you would
1: like. It's it's more to give you a reception of what that feels like when you do it. Like, it's not, it's not there to give you a, I I don't think feedback is the right word, but I don't think it's there. The way for me feedback, I have to feedback work is like, Hey, here is this, this, the screen that has no true feel except for glass. This is now allowing you what the phone wants you to feel like this action does. Yeah. It's the feedback that, prevent, that 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 gives you that, I guess.
0: I, and I'll say on phones, that's the truest thing I can say, too. Because well, where, where most people will feel haptic feedback in a phone is in your keyboard. When you're yeah. typing, you'll feel it. And I think Saul's right. It's to kind of give you some form of a mimicking of touching a real key. Because it kind of gives you that feeling physical feeling of a feedback that lets your brain know, Oh yeah, he hit a button because yeah. otherwise you're just tapping. Whereas
1: we're in a game controller. It's more meant for, Oh, you got hit or, Oh, you're shooting a gun or, you know, various. And things that's
0: more in-game. of the, the current vibration stuff. So what right. they're positing for, uh, for the, the updated thing is essentially going to be that it's going to have, uh, here's a couple things on here. I'm going to go ahead and just read from the article that way. We're not losing stuff to us trying to reword it or for any dumb reason it says the controller, does have some features Sony's more interested in acknowledging. One is adaptive triggers that can offer varying levels of resistance to make shooting a bow and arrow feel like the real thing. The tension increasing as you pull the arrow back or make a machine gun feel far different from a shotgun. It also boasts haptic feedback from more, uh, far more capable than the rumble motor cap- uh, console gamers are used to with highly programmable voice coil actuators located in the left and right grips of the controller combined with an improved speaker on the controller. The haptics can enable some astonishing effects. First, I played through a series of short demos courtesy of the same Japan studio team that designed PlayStation VR's Astrobot rescue mission. In the most impressive, I ran a character through a platform level featuring a number of different surfaces, all of which gave distinct and surprisingly immersive tactile experiences. Sand felt slow and sloggy mud felt slow and soggy on ice. A high frequency response made the thumbsticks feel like my character was gliding. This goes into a, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I, I'm really excited about the idea of, of triggers that can adjust their pressure through some kind of encoding that lets you actually sit there and go, okay, you know how games normally will use their own built-in game things to try and mimic this? Yeah. Of Okay, uh, you're going to see the screen start to shake more as you start to pull it back more. And then the longer you're holding it, the more you're going to feel... Uh, the more the more you see the screen shake, you know that eventually you're gonna shoot the arrow or drop the arrow because you've waited too long and your character doesn't have the strength to hold the bow for that long. You know? You see yeah. that in games. How much cooler would it be with the with the idea of these adaptive triggers to think, okay, this is the way the game will give you the information now? The as you start to pull back instead of the screen shaking so much, and maybe the screen will still shake. But now instead of it just being a visual representation and maybe a little bit of a vibration rumble, uh, instead now you're going to get haptic feedback that starts to give you a little bit of a rumble, and you're going to get a trigger that actually starts to fight you as you try and pull it back to mimic that. One game
1: that I was thinking of that this would actually be really cool in was Mudrunner. And that's when you're on the pavement, the trigger's real smooth. But then when you get on gravel, it gets a little harder to press. But then when you get real deep in the mud, the trigger gets real hard mm, to press in. Yeah. And then, of course, you get the rumble with it.
0: Too. See, I thought racing games, too. And one of the things they talk about in the article is a, a version, a build of Gran Turismo Sport that has... Uh, apparently the real Grinch was most important war- and I haven't even thought about it because I've I played with my my racing wheel a couple times and that force feedback is a little different um, but in racing games they said you know the real version of the game when you're playing with a dual shock does not support the uh, vibration at all because there's no way to differentiate what you're doing Yeah. Um, whereas they said in this build you know you're on you're on pavement and the pavement feels smooth With the haptic feedback, like the vibration that it's offering feels smoother, but it's still there to kind of give you a feeling of being in a car. But then when you get in the mud, it starts to feel like a little more sloppy. And and like clunky. Yeah, and clunky. And, you know, that's the same basic idea for for what you're talking about with the adapter triggers. That would be great. There's a lot of ways that you can pull that in that are really cool. But I guess it's just how can the controller start to give you information that sells the experience more than what doing visual representations can. And I think a game like Horizon Zero Dawn where you go to pull the bow back, instead of now having it's where eventually you hold the controller for too long and the, the screen just starts to shake more and more and eventually you lose the arrow, it would be a lot more of a selling point of, of making you feel like you're a little more connected to the experience. When you pull the bow back, and the longer you sit there and hold it, the more the trigger starts to fight you and push up against. That would you. be cool, and it uh, and that's when you know. Oh, I'm about to lose the. I'm about to lose
1: this arrow. Or maybe, maybe like in the new Outer Scrolls game, the uh, the you can maybe customize your bows and you get different strings, which are then harder to pull back on the trigger than not. I said that in Discord. I thought that was kind of a cool yeah, idea. Yeah, or
0: even like a different type of wood. Every bow that would be really hard in my mind, because it's, th- this, a, this it's goes a into one thing. Game. Well, it's not even that, right? Even if they decide to use it and that's assuming that Xbox doesn't do the same thing. They very well might. Um, but you know, in a game like that, how much cooler would it be? And exclusives would definitely do this best. But if every bow felt different because of the fact that every bow has got a different tension point, yeah, uh, it, that leads me to something I was really want to talk about with all this. This all sounds fantastic to me, uh, though sometimes I think things sound a little more fantastical than they really do in the feeling. Like when you feel them, you're like, "This is an improvement," and I enjoy it. But the idea was it's cooler. become more of
1: a chore, and I don't like it.
0: Well, I don't mean that as much as I'm just saying like the idea was somehow cooler than the actual reality, even though the reality's. Better than what we have it 's easy to hype yourself up into something kind of like with games. you see trailers of a game and you build your own version of what a game is supposed to be like and then when the game doesn 't hit it, even though even if it 's good you 're just kind of like but it also wasn 't what I was expecting yeah expecting but when you when you go through that, uh, my, my worry though that this actually kind of leads to answering is some of these features rely on very similar to, to what we see right now with the the touchpad and the light bar and all these things, it relies on the developers to use these things. And if you leave it up to them to not use them, as Sony does right now with both the light bar, the speaker, so all three, the, the light bar, the speaker, and the touchpad on the PS4 DualShock 4, if developers aren't going to use them, and, and thankfully we have a mix right now. Yeah, but
1: well, you can't get them out of here because backwards compatibility.
0: And it gets you the same problem that we're going to have with the touchpad, which I don't have that's a problem with touchpad. To gimmicks, be fair.
1: That's what happens when gimmicks get mixed in with backwards compatibility, because those gimmicks have to go forward the entire time if you want backwards compatibility.
0: And some, really of, ha- some of these are a little different. Them. Some of these, I, I don't think that haptic feedback is required, but it, it'll make the if, if moving forward. Let's just say that they do away with haptic feedback, which I don't think that they'd go backwards. No, yeah. But let's just say if the haptic feedback was gone in PS Six. I don't see that keeping you from playing a PS5 game, but it would definitely not feel the same. Yeah. Whereas something like if the touchpad is a dedicated input in that game, Kill zone. and you don't put the touchpad onto the next thing, then suddenly you are left with the issue of what's the new keys for this or the new mapping? How do you, yeah? Where do you map this into? Yeah. And if you take it away and don't replace it with anything that gives you more inputs, then you're done. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and and it's like
1: the night the the, the light bar like. If you don't have VR, that thing is literally useless. It's only there to tell you your health. Like, who's looking at their light bulb? Or
0: like the... And it's not that it's not cool. So here's the thing about gimmicks. A lot of the time, they are cool. Yeah. Passingly. But they're useless. Like, you know, you were talking about... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's you that always talks about this. So when you're playing Grand Theft Auto Five, the police... Uh, red and, and, and blue light flashes on your oh, radar, yeah Which is cool. Yeah, I mean, it is cool, cool. But it's useless. It drains. But battery. it's ultimately it's useless. It yeah. yeah. And it just it, it does go to the thing of the only reason that it had to be there was because of their plans for VR. Yeah. Other games just decided to use it. The fact that you couldn't turn it off is a big is a big, big no no. Yeah. You know, hey, it really
1: yeah. shouldn't have been that way. To me I would be Leslie I'd be less harsh on it if I could turn it off.
0: But yeah. you can't you can just dim it. And it could be set up to where if you use when you turn VR on it automatically forced your controller's lights to come on. That way it yeah. You, you couldn't go around it because you have to have it for that. But that's not the way they chose to do it. So as much as some of these ideas sound really cool to me, and I really hope that these are, this is the real future of gaming and that this is something we're going to see, I hope that that's what it is. And this is not some hollow thing that gets lightly used and mostly used by PlayStation exclusives, which I'm glad that they would. But if the larger third-party market does not really use them very often, and I don't say every game, I don't expect indies to tap into every single one of these features. It's a very costly yeah. thing, but I expect AAAs to tap into these more often than not, and I mean way more often than not. I expect 80% of AAA games to use this if it's going to be considered that, the, that they were a real success, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, if you're going to put them there, have your studios use them. Yeah, and and, I, and you know, the, the, it's the sad thing about that is that Sony has no control over the rest of the people. They can tell, they can essentially urge, I would say, and Sony's been really good about not forcing anybody to do anything. They urge their teams to, if you can find what you think is a creative use of putting this into the game, do it. Yeah. and But they don't require it. And you see that in a lot of things from Sony did not make, and this is even back on the PS3 when they were doing their big 3D TV initiative and yeah. they had a lot of 3D games. Sony didn't say, hey, Naughty Dog, you have to put 3D in. Sony said, if you think that 3D is a cool technology and you'd like to do it, do it. So they did it in Uncharted 3, which led some people to go, do you have any plans for, when it was announced before the game came out that it was going to support 3D, there was the question of, will you support the upcoming move? Which is a peripheral, so it's a little different, I understand that, but it comes back to the same idea of you either force your people to do it, strongly suggest them to do it, or you don't even put them in there. And then, it still comes down to if 90% of games that release on PlayStation four are third party and those games are not using these, but 20% of the time you put features and cost into something that I had to pay for that. I, that's being underutilized. Right. And it's an unfortunate thing. Uh, I'm going to pull up the article real quick and make sure I'm not missing anything else. Um, one of the things that we said, we talk about was a statement that came around this time. Um, it's a vague statement. It's in regards to PlayStation 4 backwards compatibility, and essentially the statement said that n- there's a potential that not every PS4 game will work with PS5. Now, it's a really vague statement. Yeah, and we don't know why or how. And I do think that I don't, I'm not going to consider this right now, definitely when we're over a year out from the console. I don't consider this to be a red flag.
1: No, because it could mean
0: somebody brought up uh, SharePlay. Mm-hmm.
1: And or I mean not share play party play what is it called play
0: link play link yeah I brought that up on Twitter yeah and now it, it is an important thing to say you know Gideon uh, is the one I was talking to on Twitter about this and I understand his point but it's still something to think about where technically it leads to the point of the statement still true if you say what's full PS4 backwards compatibility and if you use that wording that means every game that ever released on there is going to work. That doesn't account for every single thing. That doesn't account for MMOs that servers have shut down. Yeah. So technically that's already not full backwards compatibility, even though, you know, Gideon's argument, and I do agree with that, is that it would be foolish to expect the PS5 to play a game that the PS4 itself cannot even play any longer. That's true. Yeah. Uh, PlayLink, the reason I brought it up is that the way they went about making PlayLink is very expensive and very weird for them in terms of legacy cost. Moving forward with the way that PlayLink works Every single play link game that exists has an individual app. That's only for that game that everybody who wants to play has to download. So I have, and I haven't played it yet in there, but I have um hidden agenda whenever it's time for me to play that. And I want to play it. And I probably need to do that soon. You're going to have to go to your app store, type in play link hidden agenda. It's a dedicated app only for that one game. Mm-hmm. Everybody who wants to play that has to download that. And that means that all those apps exist separately as a listing. Right. Those have to continuously be updated as Android continues to improve to make sure that it continues to work with newer forms of Android has to keep going. Uh, and then eventually they can start dropping off. Like, well, we're not going to support Android four anymore or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it does still mean that they have to make sure their games are, that those apps are set up to work with newer phones and with a variety of phones. That's a cost. That's not really, ne- it's not really good for them. They're going to pay for these services to stay up and these servers to stay up to access these, eventually I do see PlayLink getting chopped and that does mean that while it won't be playable on PS4, of course it also will not be playable on PS5. That is technically not full backwards compatibility and why I don't, while I don't see that as an issue, there will be people who try and use that as ammo against it. Yeah. And the, the bigger thing to me is I agree with Gideon's overall assertion that if it plays in the PS4 from now until eternity, it should play on the PS5. I do agree with that. But we've not seen that in a console since PS2, PS3 rather, um, with and only the first PS3 that had PS2 hardware in it. And we've seen it, Microsoft had partial backwards compatibility with the 360. They have partial backwards compatibility with the One. Full backwards compatibility is a really odd promise, and I think that that's probably why Sony saw that they were saying stuff about backwards compatibility and probably said something that equated to full backwards compatibility, if not that exact wording. And then they thought to themselves, we should give a blanket statement that kind of covers our butts just in case. And I don't think that that's weird. I think if this exact statement came up three months ahead of release, more of a red flag, because that means that they're getting closer to the launch of the console and they're realizing there's games that are not working for whatever reason. And now they're going, oh crap. But right now, I think it's just something to go... Everything that they've tested probably works, but they don't want there to be that one game that, for some reason, doesn't work right. And the example I used of a game that's not tied to PlayLink that may not work right just because of how poorly developed it was uh, is that you know when you're using this legacy setup where it's going through a fake legacy CPU that's maybe in the console, maybe being emulated in the console, who knows? A game like Life of Black Tiger may not, may run so poorly that it can't even technically start up. And that's no longer on them. That's a game that they cannot control that just says, hey, that PS4 game no longer works on PS5. Or does, it never worked on PS5 because it was made too poorly. Yeah. And I'm not trying to just... I, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll trash Life of Black Tiger. but game is uh, I don't like to just trash games normally, but that is not any way, shape, or form a showing of excellence of game design or game development. So, yeah, it's a weird statement. And I do think that that's something that a lot of people are going to be worried about. But I would be really surprised if 95% of the library does not carry over as being playable. Yeah. With the way that the system is being designed and everything, and with it being designed for that from the forefront. Even the Xbox One was not designed for 360 backwards compatibility from the forefront. It was that came later as a way to try and pull up more of their consumers back towards the Xbox One. So there we are. Um, Let's see. I'll make sure there's nothing else on here real quick. I don't think there was. Um, Yep. Sounds like we are. What do you want our
1: communities take to be? Uh, With the information given right now, would you buy a PlayStation 5?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, that's kind of what last week's was. So instead of repeating that one too much, what I'm going to say is right now, with what we know of the PlayStation 5, is there a feature that you don't feel like has been hinted at or talked about that you would like to see? That would change your opinion towards buying at day one or at least stronger enforce your already existing opinion that you'd buy at day one. Be that I mean, is it price? Is that what you're waiting for? Is that really it? Or is there a more deep feature that you'd like to see that maybe I can't even think of that you haven't turned you haven't heard yet? And predict the price while you're at it. I'm gonna say five fifty. I really think five hundred. I think five fifty. dollars had an, I had a conversation, and I think this is worth having an the episode. Uh, one of our friends and listeners, Ryan, uh, we were having a conversation about what's the price of the thing going to be? And you know, He joked it's the $600 question. What's the price of it going to be? Yeah. Which, of course, is saying it's be $600. I don't think that that's a crazy price guess. I don't think it is either. But here's where I stand on this. My answer was essentially that PlayStation four was priced the way that it was because it was a point in time when consoles were doing so bad. I've said that a plenty of times on the show. I know that, right? but it is a reason as to why it was priced so competitively and priced in such a way that it was so, it was essentially getting a profit on day one, uh, or very, very close. If not on day one, um, now that we know that the gaming market is stronger than ever and we're not having this weird fear of, oh, console, oh, cell phones are going to destroy console gaming, you know, there is a competitor in the market. At the time of the PS4 coming in or at the end of the last gen, cell phone gaming was the competitor and everybody was scared of it. It was the big bad in terms of against consoles. Right now, the competitor is game streaming, but there is not the same amount of fear that game streaming is ready to overtake console gaming. So nobody has a reason to... to try and make too competitively of a price console. I could see it being reasonable that Sony tries to minimize how much of a loss that they're taking, but that they do take a loss on the console to get it out in people's hands and have a stronger console. Because part of the reason we got a mid gen refresh was because the PS4 was weaker than it otherwise could have been because of that fear. Yeah. We just, get a mid gen refresh, bam, it hits. I get that. But
1: I just feel like ray tracing and SSD is ridiculously expensive. <laughs> I, it don't it. I don't know I don't know what wholesale
0: prices, and that's the thing that not knowing gets you enough of. I'm gonna lock my price in at five hundred dollars primarily because of the fact that Mark Cerny says it's going to be a uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but essentially it's going to be an alluring price for gamers, and he used that as a kind of overall like not only no, like- core gamers but people who are casuals that would want to somewhat think about moving But up. knowing Mark Cerny, he probably said that in lieu of how much PCs cost
1: in, in mining it areas. Is, it is
0: a weird statement to have to contend with because of that fact. It could be that it's a price that is very impressive given the tech, but I don't think that the way he worded it, it says that. I think he looks at it and says, people who expect what this market is, this is going to be a price that's good for them. Yeah, And uh, I don't think we see... 599 again because that was a really big I think we'll see 549 at the highest yeah uh, maybe maybe I could still give you 550 but the reason I, I land on 550 is because of that and because of the fact that they seem to still be and this is the one thing that could be my, my thing what I told Ryan is the one thing that could change my opinion on that as we get closer to launch is how much more they invest in the PS now and how big of a strategy that is for them next generation because if your concern is not only, or at least primarily, trying to get people into your physical console, your incentive for making the price palatable for the the biggest group of people possible goes away when all you're going is, okay, the people who are going to be the core people who like a big console that's powerful are going to pay the $600 because they understand the tech and they understand that it's worth it. But if they're saying, or you know what I mean, if right. they're saying, if that's it and then they go the rest of the market, we can grab with PlayStation Now through either PS four where people who own a PS four will be able to stream PS five games. Maybe we don't know that's possible. We don't know or through a computer where they sell you a dual shock five because right now on computer, when you play PS now, it requires a dual shock four. And that means you at least have to buy a dual shock four. Yeah. If they continue pushing that forward and they have a real big push towards having PlayStation five games on PS now at launch of PS five and whatever the dual shock five or whatever ends up being called, if it's required on PC, They're still making money off of you without having to do it through the console, which means that their incentive to make that console aggressively priced goes down. Right. So we'll, we'll see. I hope that that, I hope that the head, the the, the better head of put out a great system at a palatable price and take a small loss, but reap the benefits like they've done all generation right now at being the number one console. So that obviously means that their hardware sales are way better. They're making hand over fist money off of, off of software sales. Hopefully we see that again. So that's yep. that's where I stand on it. But well, that's been episode one thirty three. One thirty three. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and head out. But we appreciate you guys listening this week again. Thank you. Thank you. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any podcast service that does have a, re- a review system, and you like what we're doing here, consider leaving us a review. It gets our numbers up there, lets people find us a little easier. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, share the video with anybody if you think it's a good video. Uh, if you didn't like it again go to the comments tell us why maybe we can learn how to tighten the show up a little bit more and be better for a a larger group of people we just uh, we like the community feedback and and, and talking with people uh, and we would like to talk to even more people Uh, with that said we're gonna go ahead and thank our patrons and uh, thank you thank you thanks to our patrons Dan Barber Josh Jarrell Matthew Green my name is Dan Douglas below Sean Santa Eric McAllister Matt Sycamore funk turkey Shadowists: Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Leguer, Corey Hickerson, Brian Donovan, Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Dylan Kirby. If you'd like to support the show, you can go over to Patreon.com/NarTec and give as little as a dollar a month. Uh, thank you.